0: All right, Practice any Fam Jam, we have uh, just an incredible member who I absolutely adore today on the podcast, Everly Coleman. Everly, thank you so much for being here. And this week, we are talking about Shakti, which is divine, feminine, and creative energy. Um, And I thought there was no one better to talk about this than Everly, as she is both divine, feminine, and creative. Um, so Everly, would you share a little bit about yourself and who you are?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I am, I've been a member for practice Indy about two years. Um, and you know, practice Indy actually played a really important role in my, um, gender journey. Uh, I came to Naptown, uh, for Swift, but ended up staying for the yoga and, you know, some of the things you know, that I experienced was the asana practice really helped me kind of inhabit and embrace my body in a way I hadn't before. And then you kind of, there's the yoga, yoga philosophy, you know, with kind of like that embracing enoughness and mindfulness was a really good experience. And, you know, it's kind of special to me in that it was the first place I felt where I was able to be in community with other women as a, as a woman. Um, so that's kind of, that's and yeah, my connection to practice indie. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've, I live here with my wife. We've been in Indy for about seven years. Um, by day, um, I help businesses incorporate data science and analytics into their processes. Uh, and, you know, by night, I, I, I'm kind of a maker. So I work on a bunch of different mediums and make a lot of different kind of crafty things, kind of try kind to of keep them a little cute and whimsical, playful so that's a little bit about me
0: awesome thank you so much for being here and you also have a a pug that uh the only one of the only reasons i wanted to stay on instagram was to watch your picture yeah. of your dog so can you tell us about uh your dog
1: yeah uh so Presca the pug um she's about 12 years old uh, you can actually over my shoulder you can see we've got a big printed picture of her Uh, So we adore her. Uh, She's, she's settled into old age and is kind of a grumpy pug now, but we love her.
0: So cute. Fresca. Uh, So we are talking about this concept of Shakti and and Shiva. Last week we were doing a whole uh, week on Shiva, which is often seen as, you know, he's seen as the primordial yogi. He's seen as a masculine energy and he's seen as the destructive element. So his complement is Shakti, the creative element, the feminine element. What's interesting about them, I think one of the things that's always drawn me to Indian philosophy, um, particularly Hindu philosophy and religion, is that it's on a broad spectrum. Like there are, there are images of Shiva where he is both masculine and feminine. And so I wanted to have you on here today to talk about what it means to claim your femininity and what it means to be in a spectrum. Um, And so I'd love for you to share like for you, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be female? Do you think those words interchange, um, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, um, so so first and foremost, just because of the way I came to embrace my womanhood Um, you know to say I'm a woman uh, for me has a lot of kind of like this idea of a commitment to authenticity Um, being a woman is or female is you know to be at home in peace with myself and that's probably different for that may not be something you know a cisgendered women um, experience just because of how they kind of came into their womanhood, is kind of the default assumption. So, at least for me and my kind of gender experience, you know, there, there's kind of like that extra layer, um, you know, when I talk about being a woman or a uh, female. Um, and I use those terms interchangeably. Um, you know, and for me, it, it kind of denotes how I move through the world um, and experience and relate to the world around me. So there's this there's, there's internal component of being a woman. Uh, <clears throat> and then there's this kind of more kind of social component um, where I feel like it's having a shared sense of identity um, indoor experiences with other women as it relates to to gender. Uh, you know, and some people will say, well, you know, a cisgendered woman's experience is different from a trans woman's experience. And that's absolutely true. And I think if you can always carve things out to a point, you know, where you ultimately end up with a subset of just one, right? Because you were born, you know, or from the South, you know, so that's like, that's a different experience for you as a woman than someone born on the West Coast. So, like, you can always keep slicing that, you know, ad nauseum till you just get to a, to a group of one. Um, so, I think. It, so it's, it's really kind of you know, what is to be a woman is very contextual and it differs across time and place. But, you know, for me, I think of it as kind of, you know, there is, there are gendered experiences, even though it's a social construct. Uh, you know, there are gendered experiences are real and, um, uh, you know, but, and then I share some of those experiences with other people who identify as female, so. That's kind of what that means to me. Um, you know, And I'm sure people experience it differently um, from different backgrounds and cultures. But.
0: I just watched the video that you shared with me um, from Jackson Bird about how to speak to transgendered people and I think um, one of the things that he shared that I thought was so important even though I just watched this five minutes before our conversation, I've been thinking about it. Is that we just have to have these conversations? So I want to say up front, I apologize if I say something super stupid. Um, it wouldn't be uncommon for me, as you know, you've taken my classes. So, um, but do you think there's there are things about cisgender, the experience of a cisgender woman that they take for granted, and um, that being transgender female is different, or do you think Probably not. Um, What do you think or feel about that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's something people experience with a lot of identities, but, you know, I don't know if there's like the cisgendered woman necessarily experiences the kind of doubt or the feeling like that she has to prove to others that she's a woman. It's kind of you know, you kind of get a default into it um, in a way that, you know, a trans uh, woman wouldn't. So in that way, um, that's different. Um, and to just not, yeah, I think there's probably, yeah, there probably are some things that, you know, a cis woman you know, kind of gets to take for granted because it's, it's already the default, right? It's already there versus, you know, the fight that some transgender women have to go through to be recognized. As a woman, Um, yeah, and you know, on the flip side, there's also things that you know are unique to cisgender women. Um, You know, while not all cisgender women have um, uteruses or periods or certain or hormone cycles, you know, those are experiences that some transgender women don't have or can't have. So there there are differences, but I think the great thing about you know at least contemporary feminism. Is that it's very intersectional. Just like a a black woman has a very different set of experiences than you know a white woman. They can both be women, and those other factors intersect in a way that make them different. But there's still there still is a common and shared identity among them.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm watching my children and and working very hard to not. Uh, socially normalized gender in my home and you know if my son wants to wear heels you know not categorizing that anything right he just wants to wear heels but there is uh in in my experience and I am I am all the things cisgender heteronormative so I'm certain a lot of my conditioning plays into this but do you do you feel like as claiming your womanhood as being a woman, do you feel that there are things that you enjoy now more as you embody your womanhood than when you when you were embodying as a man? Like do you or does that even make sense? Did I say that right? Do you know what I'm saying like yeah. things mm-hmm. that you feel are feminine that you love claiming as a woman?
1: Yeah. So I think there's well so I just enjoy life more so um, that was a that was a win um, but yeah there's also like components of you know what does it mean to be a woman that you know unfortunately for society or very kind of off limits there's this whole culture of toxic masculinity and I was really steeped in that I went to I went to Catholic school for 12 years four of which were at a all-boys school um, so there was a lot of you know kind of you know, hetero, a lot of homophobia, a lot of cis around that. So you're kind of being conditioned that, oh you know, those things aren't, certain things aren't for you. You can't, if you do that, like, I don't know what would happen if I had done certain things, but like something bad would happen. Um, so yeah, being able to tap into things kind of without all that baggage that are considered more feminine, um, you know, I've really enjoyed, you know, just... <clears throat> Being able, women have a lot more choices, you know, in clothes, like being able to be expressive through dress or makeup or jewelry, which if, you know, a man can do that. It's perfect, it should be normalized, but you know, it's a lot harder to move through the world and interact with people, uh, kind of in a frictionless way, if you're if you're not presenting as a woman and you're doing some of those things. So you know, being able to do that without all that kind of friction and resistance has like kind of opened up new f- things for me and new experiences and kind of avenues just to like express myself.
0: I think you just said on something really beautiful about dharma and that like, you know, you use the word choice a few times about what it means to be a woman is to open up your choices. And I think that's starkly contrasted with, uh, you know, that this wasn't necessarily Yes it was a choice for you and it wasn't a choice for you like this is who you are and in order to become more fully that you have to continue to choose it right and I think mm-hmm. that's what and you said several times you have know, frictionless versus friction you know to move into our Dharma is to move into a space that karmically we are less frictionless but often the road to that is rife with friction you know and I, I think and it's that conscious choice and I think what's powerful about this two weeks of programming is shiva and shakti when we talk about shiva we talk about destruction it's not destruction the um analogy i was using is heath ledger in the bat the final batman movie he was in you know he like lights the Mm -hmm. fucking money on fire and (laughs) you know he said i just want to watch the world burn well that's not shiva energy shiva energy is conscious destruction in order to rebuild and shakti energy is not just like throwing paint on a canvas. I mean, that also could be seen as a uh, creation, but, you know, it's conscious creation. It's conscious choice of femininity. And um, so I think that's really beautiful about how you are both, you know, your dharma in the world is to be a woman, and you are, you are actively choosing it. And something I've taken away from just prepping for this conversation and thinking about this conversation and thinking about how I can be a better ally to trans people is, you know, I, I got to walk into this, you know, and I do take that for granted. And I love being a woman. I love, I love embodying that. And I, I want to choose that more instead of just like it acts, you know, that's not Dharma. That's me being passive. So I love, um, I love how you illuminated choice. I'm reading through my list. Um, I guess in terms of the conversation around, around trans and cisgender, are there things that you, wish, you wish, wish that more cisgender people knew about the conversation and you wish we would either come to the table a little bit more prepared with or start to consider? I know that's a very large question, but in your mm-hmm experience or maybe like top of mind things?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a couple. Um, I think the first one is, uh, you know, how much language matters in these sorts of um, discussions in making the world, you know, a safe and inclusive place for um, trans people. Let's see. I actually wrote something down. I'm just gonna find it. Uh, yeah, because um, you know, and I can be a real sometimes. I'm actually a jerk about it about you know the language we use uh, because I think you know even in my own journey you know and I was a, I transitioned later in life. You know, I was in my. My 30s, and one reason for that was growing up in a a Catholic conservative household, and 12 years of Catholic school, and in that, you know, there, I just never had this conceptual framework or even the words to express my own identity. So there, there was no chance I was ever I could at that, you know, until I had that. But I could even engage in conversations with other people about what does it mean to be this or have this identity or this experience. So that. In place. And so I think be for cis folks to kind of be aware of that, think about um, the language they're using, you know, who does that include? Who does that exclude? Are we defaulting to a cis normative talking where, you know, we say, you know, in hospitals, hospitals are bad at this. Uh, you know, even my health system, the largest in the state, you know, they'll say something like women's health and it will be. Um, you know, what that really means is this is where the OB GYNs are in the, in the system and, you know, and, but there's trans men who have uteruses and need OBs, um, uh, things like that. So how we frame it where, like, you know, we say women and we mean to be inclusive, but then we also use it in ways where it's really a very cis normative kind of default and, you know, <clears throat> which is always kind of disappointing, um, to think. It's a trans woman, like, oh, this is for women. I can be part of this and then find out, oh, no, it's, no, not really. Um, So, like, so I just think thinking in, no one's perfect and there's so much inertia, like, but to have that in mind, like, who is, like, how are we using our language? Um, Another thing for kind of cis folks to think about, there is people try, really well-intentioned people, uh, folks who try to be allies uh, can actually make it more difficult and kind of othering for trans folks in some situations. So, you know, I was on a, a women's panel um, speaking about my art and, you know, I was the only one at the end of that panel that a reporter there asked pronouns for. And that's kind of, I mean, I understand why she did it, but if you only ask for pronouns when you're looking at someone who you think is trans, at uh, one that can be really dysphoric it's kind of calling them out it's like like hey you don't pass but i don't know what to call you like what are you um and if you're not asking cis people that uh, that's a problem um and so like kind of having those conversations if you're only doing that when there's a trans person there and you're not doing it with your cis friends um you know that's something to think about um, <clears throat> and then the last one i had is just being like really cognitive of where you're kind of getting your information or narratives about what the transgender or non-binary experience is. Because a lot of that stuff out there is produced and made for, okay, Um, is producing, it's produced by cis folks for the consumption of cis folks. And there's this real obsession um, out there with basically just the physical transition of what a trans identity is you know a lot of the stuff you'll see is and it's really problematic will be just about the physical transition and surgeries and then especially in the the trans women kind of world you know and then it culminates with you know the trans woman having sex with a man for the first time in a penetrative way and while she's a woman it's done like that's that's her story um and that's You know, that's such a one, there's a lot of problematic stuff in there that, you know, that's what they think it means to be trans. And
0: uh, Alexa. Alexa, Alexa, do you have something to share?
1: Um, That's problematic. And two, it's really, for most people, transition is a very short period. Of, of a trans person's experiences so it really focuses on a very small part and I think people sometimes walk away thinking oh I get it you know I know what it means like what it what it means for a person to be trans and if that's all you're consuming um, you probably don't
0: yeah well and I think um, you know I my my own experience or what I can least extract and maybe reflect back in my own experiences like when you have a baby, you know, everybody cares about the pregnancy and uh, the birth of the child. And then you kind of stop hearing from people. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. the most interesting thing is my body that nine months with my kids like, woo! you know, like I had a woman hold cup, my breasts, literally cup them in her hands. I didn't know her at all. And she was like, Oh, these are new. She'd seen me like twice on Instagram you know, my, that was interesting to her, but have I heard from her in four and a half years since my daughter was born? No. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think that it's, it's something that we, that we pick apart as like these hallmark moments of like certain, you know, aspects of living. And then it's like, you know, our attention spans are only so long. So we just, we just focus in on the most like sexualized or you know sensational part of something and then like the rest of it is not interesting or you know like we don't appeal to it anymore so i think that is really telling
1: yeah and just think of the gap so if you watch the documentary and this documentary is this is what motherhood is and it was from like gestation conception to gestation and then the birth and then it just stopped (laughs) like do you really know what motherhood is at that point
0: right And I think it's uh, to some of what you shared, it's also very othering to not, it's also very othering not to reflect on the fact that me as a woman, I have, I am constantly becoming, you know what I mean? Like, and then to take your experience and not just point out you, but like any woman's experience and distill it into this like 20 minute gap is so uh, reductive, right? Because like, Even my own journey with femininity, I used to dye my hair, I used to wear loads of makeup, I used to wear padded bras, you know, like all these things. And now it's like, the less underwear, the better. I don't, you know, like I haven't dyed my hair in two years. And that to me now is being a woman. And that is, and 10 years from now, what it will mean for me to be a woman and claim my femininity will look so differently. So I think also hearing what you're saying is like giving you space to have your evolution as a woman forever. It's not just that tiny moment of your
1: mm-hmm. life yeah and you can think about it like so you know even listening to me like if someone's listening to this and saying oh okay well this trans person has, has said what the experience is like that's even a sliver too because just think of it, like <clears throat> how many books and articles are written by you know cis women about coming up age or you know changes or these evolutions like obviously within the cis women among cis women there's a ton of variation And there's just as much variation within, you know, the transgender community about how how people kind of come to live in that identity and evolve and transition. And it can happen at so many points in someone's life. And, you know, even they can have so many different kind of relationships to what that means to be a woman or a man or femininity or masculinity. So, you know, and it's, you just hear less variation because one, is filtered by kind of a media. There's a certain story they like to to kind of print. And then also there's just, there's a lot fewer trans people than cis women, right? I think trans population is like 0.6% of the population somewhere around there. So you're just, if you don't go look for variation experience, it's very easy to hear the same thing or similar things a couple times and think, okay, that's what it is when it's really, it can be a lot more So
0: I guess what I'm hearing, too, is just getting, being more related with people. I think we, and I'm, I'm only an American, so I've never lived anywhere else, but I do think we are obsessed with um, averages and, and like, not, we have a hard time with nuance. I think uh, the Black Lives Matter movement has has exploded in people's faces in the best way possible, and I think a lot of that brings up people's difficulty with nuance that, you know, yes, there are broad sweeping themes, but there's also nuance and you have to be willing to have conversations and be in it more than just reading the headlines. Mm -hmm. So one thing I'm hearing is just being related with people and like getting, you know, best thing I can do is get to know people instead of just making broad assumptions. Um, correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, thank you. I, I've taken away a lot of that and you've shared a lot of really wonderful resources that I'm going to put in the comments of this, um, podcast that I, I hope I, I am going to, I've watched one of them. I will go through all of them, but, um, are there any resources that you would point one, if anyone who is trans or maybe is in the, what would you say if someone hasn't fully like, come out is not my favorite, but I guess I don't know another word for it. What would you say to someone who is maybe thinking of coming out, who's listening to this? Like maybe what is something you can give that's hopeful or helpful to them?
1: Um, I mean, that's really contextual. Um, I mean, from, I think, depending where you go for information, um, it can sometimes, I think, it can be built up as scarier than it is, because uh, so I think you—it's know, not necessarily going to be as hard as you think it is. Uh, there's a lot more resources out there, um, especially uh, you know, youth have a lot more access to things now. You know, I, in a great, in and the, then there's even uh, so in India, there's a place called Gender Nexus, which really. You know, it was a really supportive nonprofit that kind of has um, I think they call it the pathfinding group, but a way to kind of explore gender identity. And there, there's the Indiana Youth Group um, for youth. So I think, yeah, there, there's ways to kind of ease into it. It's not, yeah, it's not necessarily jumping off a cliff. And I think that's easy to kind of get into that black and white thinking early on because it can be so overwhelming. Um, you can, you can do baby steps and kind of figure it out.
0: Thanks. What would you offer, if there are any, in addition to what I'm going to share in the comments, to cisgender people to do their homework? Um, I mean, there are a lot of links that are going to be added here. But is there anything mm-hmm. you'd like to say to cisgender people to consider beyond what we've already spoken to?
1: Um, say no um, I do there is a book I really like it's pretty dense and kind of written kind of in an academic fashion but it's called whipping girl by Julia Serrano and I feel like that like if you really want to dive deep and kind of learn kind of more about the history of you know the train's experience and the way you know it's kind of been framed and and things of that nature that's a really good resource um that's one of my favorite books on the topic
0: cool um in addition to shakti being a feminine energy there is also the creative element uh and you are a maker a creative so you shared a little bit at the beginning but can you expand upon yourself as an artist and um what do you make
1: yeah, so as I was gonna say in the beginning, um I worked with a, a variety of mediums, mostly textiles in wood, and I like to make uh functional objects that you know, kind of have a sense of play or or whimsy to them. Uh so I've done I do have all the like bags with like um crossbody bags and stuff that I think are in fun textures or designs. Um <clears throat> and uh the kind of woodworking projects of that nature. Uh, I recently, with COVID, I have recently got into needle felting, um, making just like these cute little felt animals, uh, putting those together. Um, and how I see that kind of relating to femininity in creation is, yeah, you can't, you know, to, to to create something especially in in like a maker the way a maker would or in any kind of artistic sense yeah you there's you've gotta express yourself, so that's obviously like being very expressive So is kind of, is off often kind of bundled in in that idea of femininity uh, but for me also there's this idea of vulnerability like you're kind of putting yourself out there um, kind of. Letting go of your ego and you're know, putting yourself out there in some kind of medium, and you're kind of showing it to the world, and saying, "Here it is," you know. And there's a there's always a risk or fear of rejection. So, you know, in my experience, that was something that I became very familiar with, kind of in my transition, and I, it's it's carried over into that creative work. So, I see that as kind of a, a feminine quality. Of, you know, there isn't like this macho. You kind know, of ego operating. It's much more of like sharing yourself and putting yourself out there.
0: I love that. And it speaks to the spectrum too, you know, that uh, gender is a construct.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is is us, again, not being able to manage nuance, you know, that really some of the greatest artists in the world have been in our men. But to your point, I find creative elements to be... In order to be creative, which I would still consider myself a, a creative or an artist in many ways, you've gotta soften, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got to open up a hole <laughs> and and hope nobody stabs you in it. And I think that is I think that is feminine in nature, and I think anybody can wear that cape. You know what I mean? Like anybody can can assume the heels that my son wants to wear, you know? And I think that's what is so empowering about this conversation is that gender is a construct and we all can be on this, we all are, not even can be, we all are on the spectrum. Um, and, you know, taking ourselves out of this like binary, like only women can be creative. Well, that's not true. Just like mm-hmm. not all women have uteruses and, you know, and on the other side of the coin. So I um, I love that because I, I have thought about as I'm prepping for this week, my favorite artists, and most of them are men. But most of them have had to like shed their more masculine armor in order to create and put forth in the world what they've put forth. So I think that speaks beautifully to that.
1: Yeah, and I think you're touching on a really important point um, that I think is maybe not always made a salient um, in, in kind of cisgendered community, and and that's pulling apart, it's, it's pulling apart the gender identity and like this idea of gender expression, right? Yeah, so just pulling apart, um, you know, the difference between gender identity and gender expression. So my gender identity is female, but my gender expression, it could be anything. I would probably say my gender expression is kind of like lazy femme, like I, I like the feminine, but I'm also not going to put that much too much work into it because I, I want to use my time to do other things, Same. Um, so, so I don't do the whole face, um, at least not anymore. And then, and so uh, I think that's a really important distinction, and in one of the links I've shared with you, um, there's even like a little worksheet. It, it's geared more towards youth, but like thinking like, you know, how does my gender, gender identity is a spectrum, and you know gender expression can also be viewed as a spectrum, so how, what are the different ways those can line up, right? So, you know, a butch lesbian um, would identify as a woman, but gender expression is more masculine um, <clears throat> uh, in those cases. So like, there's all different combinations of that. So I think that sometimes we run the idea of being female together with that idea of femininity, um, but they really don't have to be. And I think when you start to parse those out and separate them, that starts to build like that kind of mental scal- scaffolding, where all of a sudden there's like, oh, there's all these possibilities, and these are all valid identities, and you know it kind of helps take some of those concepts out of that box. Because, um, and I think that's one reason why femininity, at least in kind of our vernaculars, a really tricky word because uh, it has so many shades of meaning based on context and stuff. Here at the surface level. You know oftentimes it's used to be like delicate pretty passive um uh, emotional um you know or just something associated with women and girls and that can be you know at that surface level that that can actually kind of be problematic because it has this normative subtext of to be a woman you also you better have all these qualities and it's actually uh that's a little arbitrary. And it really, it kind of uplifts the patriarchy because a lot of that's defined by characteristics that men have decided are desirable. You know, so I think when you start to pull those apart, it's a lot easier to go deeper and say, and view femininity, um, like you were saying, where it's not linked to, you know, a biological set of characteristics or gender identity. And it's something, you know, men can be feminine. There are these bundle of qualities that, you know, we've decided to label as feminine that, you know anyone can possess and you can move between them and they you know, help you do different things and you know move through the world in different ways uh, <clears throat> so i thought so that that makes a lot of sense and then i think some of what you're talking about with key uh you know there's also like the feminine sense like kind of more in a divine sense so mm-hmm. separating that all out i think i mean it's part of that language it gives us a lot more language to kind of talk about these ideas
0: yeah i That was, yeah, I love that. And it reminds me too that, you know, I I can see a lot of people like me, cisgender, heteronormative, white, able-bodied, like all the things right now are getting very uncomfortable because everything has been built and made for us and in many terms by us or, you know, are paid for by us, made by others. Um, I think the best thing that, at least what I'm learning right now is is a lesson that yoga teaches over and over and over again, which is like you gotta you gotta look inside first because if I do my work and I recognize that like I identify as female, but I have a lot of masculine qualities and I I would I identify not my gender, but like my personality with those things. The more that I normalize that for myself, the better I'm gonna be, as you're saying for others and saying like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Like do you, cause I'm clearly doing me all the time, you know, and analyzing and continuing to shine the reflective mirror back to ourselves and being really honest in that conversation. Uh, you know, the race conversation is so important there because when you, what I've learned so deeply from Christina and from the books I'm reading is that I have to, I have to admit that I'm a racist before i can help anybody you know before i have to admit my conditioning and the things uh before i can go back out into the world and do any sort of good um so thank you for sharing that and that that is something that i've taken to heart is that you know it's this put put your put the leather over your feet instead of trying to cover the world with leather if you're going to try to help or do anything so um this conversation has been super powerful for me so thank you is there anything in the in the realm of your shakti is the divine feminine or the creative that you want to share where can we buy your stuff do you have an etsy page right now or are you just doing oh, it for the love of it
1: um no not right now i'm doing it more for um just the fun of it like because i think that, that kind of not accountable to any customer or anything, like kind of creative freedom is really where I enjoy it enjoy it the most. Awesome. Yeah. Good um, freedom.
0: Well, Everly, thank you so much for your time and for your energy in this conversation. Um, I am deeply grateful.
1: Yeah. No Thanks.